amen as you're grabbing your seats. Go ahead and get your Bibles and open them to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. That's where we're going to begin our study here together this morning. As you're turning there, I want to say thank you again for your participation in Operation Christmas Child. We had originally set a goal of filling 100 boxes, and as Pastor Brian already shared with us, uh, to this point this morning, we know of about 180 that have come in, and so we want to say thank you so much for your participation. It really does have an impact. We have heard uh, firsthand testimony of the impact that these boxes have uh, from from folks. In fact, one of my first interns at Lenexa Baptist Church, his name was John Gandhi. He's from uh, India. Several people in here know John, a wonderful man that God is uh, shaping and forming and and has called into ministry and, and studying to be a pastor. He was a recipient of one of these boxes at his church. And so it was really cool to always hear from him about the impact that these have. And so no, it's more than just toys. This is an opportunity for young people and their families to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which is what we want to be about. And so we wanted to display them up here for you this morning just so that you could see um, the, the, the progress that we were making. And I promised Pastor Brian I would try not to knock all of these off the stage. I told him, you guys have seen me with a water bottle uh, before, and so you know how dangerous I can be. And so I'm going to try to stay back here a little bit, but thank you so much for your participation in this. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be in 314 through 44 this morning, and we're going we're gonna to cover the next uh, challenge or topic that Paul is going to share with young Timothy in this second book. Now, if you were with us the first two weeks that we've done this, we, we said that there was a change in context between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And the change in context is what is going on in the life of Paul, who is the author of this book. So in 2 Timothy, the main change is that Paul finds himself in a Roman prison. He knows that his time is short and that he is about to face death. In fact, we see that later on in chapter 4 that Paul knows that this is it. He, he's not just thinking that this might go sideways. Like he's, he's pretty well confirmed that this is the last opportunity that he's going to have to share with Timothy. And so it makes 2 Timothy so unique, whereas 1 Timothy was, was awesome and very practical. We really get to see the heart behind the person of Paul and what he wants to challenge Timothy with and what he wants to leave as a legacy of faith to this church in Ephesus. And so it's a powerful thing. You guys know the power of people's last words. I shared with the first service, I can remember like it was yesterday, the last conversation that I ever had with my grandfather in this life. We had drove by his house. He was out in the yard doing yard work one evening uh, as he often would, would be doing. And so we just stopped instead of waving this time. I don't know why, but mom stopped and we rolled down the windows and we're having a conversation with him and me and my brother were in the back seat. We were not angels. I'll just put it that way. Um, we, We were rough around the edges a little bit. And so he was trying to help my mom by encouraging us. And so he pokes his head into the car and he says, hey, listen, you boys need to make sure that you're always obedient for your mother. And that's the last thing I ever heard him say in this life. And it 
resonated with me and it, it's meaningful to me and it's powerful to me. Now, we didn't execute that with perfection, obviously, uh, but it's something that I still remember like it was yesterday because I know that that was his final words to us. Now, I want you to think about that in terms of 2 Timothy knowing that this is Paul's final words that he's going to write. You know that what's coming next is something that's going to be meaningful and powerful. And 2 Timothy is also unique in that Paul really doesn't give us this, this logical thought flow. Paul really addresses three or four different subjects kind of over and over again and all over the place. But those are what we've been trying to focus in on in our study. And one of those themes we talked about week one. And Paul is sharing with Timothy, like, listen, in my final letter to you, if there's something that I want to share with you, it's this, to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be about the gospel. And so we took a really in-depth look in first, or 2 Timothy chapter 1 at that challenge where Paul says, listen, the gospel means everything to me. It's the power to save, right, that he's enamored with. Paul would share with Timothy that saving faith, and he would impress upon Timothy to be about the gospel because Paul knows that it's what transformed his life. It's what changed him forever. He knew that when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus that nothing was ever the same, and he committed his entire life on this earth to the gospel Message And so that's what we saw in one of the first themes. And then last week we talked about the importance of passing on what we've learned and what we know about the scriptures to other people who would also pass it on to others as well. And so we talked about the fact that we're to be about the ministry of multiplication. We would call it disciple making. And so he says it's about the gospel and it's about making disciples. And so he impresses, and impresses upon him with the second challenge to make disciples. Take what you know and trust it to faithful men who would in turn entrust it to others as well. It sounds an awful lot like the Great Commission to me that we hear from Jesus. Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what? And teach them all that I've commanded you in hopes that they would come to saving faith, that they would learn what God's word says and what it's all about and that they would pass that on to someone else. This is God's plan for us. It's the plan for the church, and there is no plan B. And so it's interesting to me to see that Paul keys in on this. So he says it's about the gospel, and it's about making disciples. And today we're going to talk about the third theme that, that we're going to just next week. If you come back next week after Thanksgiving, we're going to address finishing well. Finishing well, and it is one of my favorite passages in 2 Timothy to hear Paul's heart about finishing well. So I encourage you, come back and join us for that one next week. But before we get there, we need to address this subject this week, which is the proclamation of the word. So he's going to talk about scripture again. Now, we briefly covered scripture in 1 Timothy, but Paul's going to circle back in 2 Timothy and say, listen, if you're to be about something, be about the gospel, be about making disciples. And today we're going to see, be about proclaiming the truth of the scriptures. Preach the word, Timothy. Why? Because this is significant. It's the most important thing that, that you can be about outside of the gospel and making disciples. And, and to me, it sounds an awful lot like the formula and the plan that God gave the church, right? Like if we were to be obedient just in these three things, we would accomplish all that God has asked us to do. 
and participate in, if we'd be willing to share the gospel and make disciples and make much of the scriptures, we'd be right on track with what God's word says for us as believers. And so that's what he's going to do. He's going to address this this morning with Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 4. So pray with me real fast, and then we will jump into the scriptures and unpack them together. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for the power that's found in it. We thank you for the truth of it. God, we ask you this morning to transform us with it. God, I pray that you would change us. God, use your word to conform us into the image of your son. God, use your word to encourage us and embolden us to share the gospel and make disciples and, and God, to focus on the things that matter. And Lord, I pray that we would use it as the source of truth, as ultimate truth, God, that we would recognize the power that's in it, God, that we would recognize the opportunity that we have to share it with other people and teach them what's in it. And so, God, we just ask for your help this morning. Illuminate this passage for us, God. I pray that you would challenge us. God, meet us right here where we're at today. Help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only, God. We don't seek to just accumulate more knowledge and information about the scriptures, but, God, we seek to be changed by them, God, and we seek to put them into practice. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide our time together this morning as we study your great word, and we pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, if you would, go ahead and get your Bibles, Second Timothy. As I said, we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 14, and we're going to work our way through chapter 4, verse 4, and then we're going to conclude our time together here this morning with four challenges that we see in this passage from Paul to Timothy that we are going to be able to apply to our church family and to ourselves individually here this morning. So if you would, start reading with me in chapter 3, verse 14. So remember, Paul's continuing on in this theme. He's talked about the gospel. He's talked about making disciples. He's also talked about the threat of, of false teachers, which we covered in 1 Timothy. And that's often what he's talking about in chapter 3. And then we get to verse 14. And so he now changes things personally back to Timothy. And he says, we've addressed false teaching, but as for you. So he's setting this up in contrast. This is what they were about. This is what you need to be about, Timothy. So as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Verse 15, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, there's, there's this element of these themes that we've been talking about all throughout this already. You say, listen, you're to not be about the things that the false teacher is about. You are to stick to what you've known and what you've learned and remember who you learned it from. We see early on First Timothy, he talks about the fact that, that he's learned a great deal from his grandmother and his mother, right? And then he has this relationship with Paul. And so he's saying, continue in the truth of what you've learned. And then we get to verse 15 and he says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. So we're to assume here that Paul's saying that, that Timothy has been acquainted with the sacred writings or whatever version of the Old Testament he could get his hands on to this point. And it's interesting to me that Paul first and foremost, says that in your acquaintance with the scriptures, it made you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And remember, he doesn't even have the full New Testament yet. But Paul is saying that you could come to saving faith with what you have when you've acquainted yourself with the sacred writings. That's the power of the whole counsel of God's word. And so he's saying it's profitable. It's, it's 
way, it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. And as a result of being breathed out by God and coming directly from God, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So he's saying, like, listen, it it will supply for you everything you need. It's profitable in every way. Why? Because of its source. And the source is God himself. So this is God's word to you. So not only will it make you wise into salvation, but it will provide for you everything that you need to know. And then in verse 17, he says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So it makes us wise into salvation. It provides for us everything that we would need, and it equips us for every good work. So he starts with this idea of how spectacular the word of God is, how special God's word is, right? And then he continues on in chapter four. So look at verse one. He says, because of that in context, he continues on. Remember, there's no chapter and verse breaks in Greek. So he's, he's building upon what he just talked about. So because it's breathed out by God, because it's profitable salvation, because it provides you with everything you need, because it fully equips you for every good work, what are you supposed to do with the scriptures? And so we see in verse one, he says, I charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. So he said, because of the significance of God's word, I, I charge you, and you can't, you can't find a much more significant charge from Paul to anybody in the New Testament than this right here. He's saying, Paul, uh, Timothy, I believe this. As much as I believe you need to be about the gospel, as much as I believe that you need to be about making disciples, I am challenging you and charging you to preach the word because it is from God and because it does result in people coming to saving faith and it does provide for you everything that you'll need and it does equip you for every good work. Because of those things, preach it, which means proclaim or herald in the scriptures. So he's saying, like, listen, you should, you should make bold proclamation. You should herald this word because of the significance. And we continue on in verse 2. After he says, preach the word, he says, be ready in season and out of season. He's simply telling Timothy, listen, you're to preach this no matter what. No matter what's going on in people's lives. No matter what's going on in your life. Regardless of whether or not you feel like it. You're to do this because it is so profitable. The next thing we see here, he says, you're to reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Remember, he said, the scripture is profitable in chapter three for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. And then he says, you, Timothy, are to preach it, be ready in season, out of season, and you are to personally use it to reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So he's reminding them, listen, it's going to be profitable and if used correctly, it's going to accomplish much in people's lives. And listen, Timothy, this isn't about you personally exhorting or rebuking or challenging. This is about you allowing God's word to be proclaimed to do its work in the lives of the people. And if you would do this, Timothy, with patience and love, It's going to be effective. 
It will result in lives being transformed. It will result in people coming to saving faith. It will result in your congregation, in your faith family, being equipped for every good work. So we can see it in, in verse 2, or I'm sorry, in verse 3. He reminds him too of, of why this is going to be so significant. He says in verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So say, listen, Timothy, there, there's a time coming in, in the last days. People aren't going to endure sound teaching. Instead, what they're going to want to do is go find people who will say what they want them to say. Who, who won't challenge them with hard things, who, who won't reprove them, who won't rebuke them out of love, who will simply just stick to exhorting, right? Which means encouragement, which we all need encouragement, but, but I think Paul's saying like it, it's a package deal, right? If all I give to you is exhortation or encouragement and never supply reproof and rebuke, you can't grow in your relationship with Christ because you'll never be confronted with error. And you'll never be asked to, to repent of what you're doing. And so he's saying, listen, the, the full work of the scriptures are all of these things. And there's going to come a time when people, they don't want that. They don't want to be challenged by God's word. They don't want to be transformed by God's word. What do they want? With itching ears, they want to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That means that people are going to show up and when they hear God's word proclaimed the way that God has told us to proclaim it, they're going to go, ah, you know what? I don't like that. I'm going to go find for myself somebody who will say what I want them to say. Maybe even say it in the way that I want them to say it. I want somebody who's going to make me feel warm and fuzzy and bubbly every single week on their way out. And not that we don't want to be about encouraging one another and loving one another and supporting one another, but we've got to let the scriptures do their full work. And so he, he challenges them with this and reminds them that the end result, if they do this, they turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the myths. So remember, he sets this in the context of, but as for you. And so we've talked about the proclamation of the gospel. We've talked about the necessity of making disciples. And now Paul uses the little bit of time that he has left to write to Timothy to tell him, listen, preach the word because it's from God. And it makes people wise into salvation. And it teaches them everything that they'll need to know. And it equips us for every good work. So make sure to preach the word. And so that leads us to uh, our time that we have remaining here together, a couple of challenges that are in this passage of Scripture that Paul gives to Timothy that I want to make sure that we don't miss. I want to make sure that as we apply this, we don't go, okay, so that was from Paul to Timothy for the church in Ephesus for the first century. But that we would view this and go, okay, these are things that are good for us to know and hear today. They're challenge, challenges to me. As I seek to be faithful in proclaiming and preaching God's word, there'll be challenges to you 
this morning as we talk about what, it, what it's going to take to endure sound teaching and why that's profitable. And so we're going to work through these things together this morning and be challenged with them. That's my prayer today. The first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture that Paul challenges Timothy with that's a great challenge for you and I today is this. Number one, proclaim the truth of the Scriptures Proclaim the truth of the scriptures. And the reason why I say this is I think Paul is very, he's very specific in the way that he says this. He doesn't just generically say preach or herald. What does he say? He says, herald the word. So for you and I, it's a reminder that we're to proclaim the truth of the scriptures. They are our source of truth and sound teaching. Without this, Without God's word, without the Bible, we have nothing to say. We have no truth to stand on. There is no message to herald. But that's why, that's why we go to God's word. It's why we start every single Sunday morning together as a gathered body with open your Bibles. Because we want to make much of the scriptures. We have nothing else profitable to say outside of what God has to say to us. And so that's the challenge. I remember many, many years ago, there was a, a youth ministry spoof that was put out. And, and in one of the segments on this, it was supposed to be for, for, for comedy. Uh, in one of the segments, the guy on there is talking to a group of teenagers. And he asks them if they brought their Bibles. And they all say that they did. And so he tells them to get them out and hold them above their head. And so he goes through the whole deal. He's like, this is God's word. It's powerful and it's profitable. And then he goes on to say, and it's more than I can deal with at this point in my life. So go ahead and slide them under your chairs. You're not going to need them today. And I thought, what a crazy thing, right? Like that's, that's part of this spoof. It's supposed to be funny, but it's absolutely not funny when you really think about it. It's certainly not funny when you think about the fact that while that is a spoof, there are many gathered groups around today that did not make much of the word. And they may as well have just said that. But that's not what we want to be about as a faith family. We want to make much of the scriptures. We want to make much of God's word. We want to recognize that it is our only source of truth. It's where we go. Without the scriptures, we have, we have nothing to say. As I said, we have no truth to stand on, no message to herald, but with them, We have what God has to say to us and the truth to stand on and a wonderful gospel message to herald. So again, as we apply this to us, as we proclaim the truths of the scripture, what is this about what it's not about? First off, it's not about my thoughts and opinions, nor is it about your thoughts and opinions or whoever is opening God's word and sharing it. It's about what God's word says. It's not about my wisdom to share with you. Listen, if, if all you have is the wisdom that I've been able to accumulate in 38 years, you're in trouble. You're in major trouble. But if I share up here not my wisdom, but the wisdom of the scriptures, then, then you'll have everything you need. And that's, that's what we wanna be about not about sharing our own thoughts and opinions about our wisdom. It's also not about our stories. Listen, I hear this all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm pro-story. Y'all know that. I love telling stories. I love, I love sharing illustrations. 
But listen, we need to make sure that it's about God's word first and foremost. We, we served in Alabama for five years in, in a, a student ministry there. And every year we had this camp that we would go to. And, and one of the years that we went, we had this new guest speaker. And I, I didn't know anything about him, but we were in a room of about 3,000 teenagers. And I remember on the very first night, he stands up and he tells this, this elaborate story about how he did this training with a SWAT team and, and they used the, like the Atlanta Center or something. And so he's going through all this deal and, and like we're like 30 or 40 minutes into this story. And he gets to the end, he goes, you know what? And all of this, it reminds me of this verse. And he read a verse for us and he said, everyone bow your head and close your eyes. And I thought, are you serious right now? Is this what we gathered for? Again, nothing wrong with telling a story, but we don't use God's word to illustrate our stories. We can use our stories to illustrate God's word if done in an, an acceptable way. But man, it was like we just sat here and dedicated our entire time together talking about things that won't matter at all. You know what 3,000 teenagers need to know? They need to know that God loves them, that he gave his life for them, that they can have a relationship with him freely if they would repent and believe. And we talked 30 minutes about SWAT teams and nonsense that reminded us of some verse. Listen, that's not what we want to be about. We want to proclaim the truth of the scripture. So Paul is sharing with Timothy, listen, preach the word. Make sure that your church knows the scriptures. I was listening to another sermon in preparation for this this week too, and the person made a, a, a wonderful thought that I guess just really stood out to me. He said that what we're doing here is preparing ourselves to meet Christ. So for the pastor, you have that challenge to make sure that you're sharing with people God's word, that you're proclaiming the truth of the scripture so that they might be growing in their relationship with Jesus, being conformed into his image, more prepared today to meet Jesus than you were yesterday. And so that's a good and wonderful challenge. Number two, the second challenge that we find in this passage that Paul shares is to ready, readily proclaim the whole counsel of God. Readily proclaim the whole counsel of God. And so we see this in this passage as he talks about the, the effectiveness of Scripture, if we would allow it to do its work, right? We're reminded of that in chapter 3, verse 16. Because it was profitable for teaching and reproof and correction, for training in righteousness. We're reminded again in chapter 4, verse 2, that we're to be ready in season and out of season. That we're, that we're to preach it no matter what we got going on. And so he's saying, like, readily proclaim the whole counsel of God. So I kind of put those into one point. It's a good challenge for us. Listen, here's what I believe that Paul is sharing with Timothy. You're to preach this word when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Okay, some days, some days you don't feel good. Some days you feel great. Preach the word. He's also sharing, hey, preach the word when it's easy and when it's hard. And I think that's both things going on in our lives and around us, but also in the text, right? Preach it whether it's easy or it's hard. Listen, I had a blast teaching Philippians. 
Because that's like all encouragement. It's great and stuff. Like I remember one of the first things that we did here. I had just started as pastor here at Fellowship Olathe, and I was meeting with Pastor Chad. He goes, man, I'm, I'm praying about teaching through Revelation. He's like, I think, that's, I think that's what the Lord wants me to do. I was like, Lord, are you sure? I, mean, I just started. I'm brand new at this. Like, Revelation first? But listen, preach the word. And you know what ended up happening? Exactly what God's word said would happen. It taught and it reproved and it corrected and it encouraged. But preach the word, whether it's easier or whether it's hard, whether it's convenient or inconvenient. What about this? When people love the subject or when it isn't what people want to hear. This is why we, we like teaching through books of the Bible. It's why expository preaching, I think, is so powerful. We're not cherry-picking subjects. We don't sit around as a staff and go, what, what do we really need to challenge them with? No, we, we just teach what comes next in the scriptures. And we wanna, we wanna teach the whole counsel of God. That's why we don't, just, we don't just focus on Romans or we don't just focus on the Gospels or we don't focus on just the New Testament. Listen, we wanna rotate. We wanna be in the Old Testament, the New Testament. We wanna be challenged about all the various books, the whole counsel of God. This is what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, in speaking about the church in Ephesus. He said, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's Paul to the church in Ephesus, right? Where Timothy pastors. You can't help but see a correlation here where Paul's going, listen, I didn't shrink back from teaching the whole council. Neither should you. Teach the whole council. Be ready to teach in season and out of season regardless of what is going on. Why? So that you can grasp the whole council, that it will be profitable for you. I remember going off to school and, and being confronted. I guess that's the right word. I would say confronted with with. Bible passages and books of the Bible that honestly I had never even looked at before or, or really understood or read or even heard preached or proclaimed. Like, like I at no point in my life growing up ever heard, to my knowledge, a single sermon out of the book of Ephesians. Probably because it starts out and it has the word predestined in there and they're like, whoop, nope, we're going to Matthew. But it's good for us to receive the whole counsel because it allows us to have a healthy diet of all the scriptures. All the scriptures. I think of it in terms of like a teacher at school. If you had a math teacher at school, it wouldn't profit you if all she taught you was addition and subtraction. You want to learn all the things, right? So that you can put them together. I don't know about you, but I always wondered, how come in school we would do those problems on the board and it'd be like two plus two? And then you'd go home and be like, where did these decimals and fractions come from? Anybody else? Did that happen to you, man? Like, we didn't talk about any of this at school. But that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here is, is, is providing for you a healthy diet of all the scriptures, readily proclaiming the whole counsel of God. Number three. Number three, third challenge for all of us is to submit to the transformative power of God's word, to submit to it. We're to submit to the transformative power of God's word. Remember, he says things in here like reprove, which means to expose the truth that leads to correction. 
It's not always fun, but it's always worth it. Think about that with our kids, right? When done in love, reproving is a good thing. There's a reason why we tell our kids, don't ride your bike in the street or hold our hand in the Walmart parking lot because we love you too much. And even if it doesn't make sense to you, you need to learn that that correction is for your good and out of love. And so that's what he's saying here is to submit yourself to the transformative power of God's word. Listen, sometimes you need to be reproved. You need to hear that you're in error. Sometimes you need to receive a rebuke, which is much more stern, right? It's to sternly denounce, expose false actions and beliefs. That's when you're, that's when you're called out and it's, it's not just, hey, you should correct this. This is, hey, brother or sister in Christ, you need to repent. This isn't what God's word says. And so you're rebuked. which we don't talk about much in our culture, right? Like when was the last time you used that word? I rebuke you. Not often, right? I remember the first time I heard it out loud outside of the Bible. We had friends over for something one time. We had this little tiny miniature dachshund and he would do crazy stuff all the time and he would get super excited and, and he would jump on people and all that. And I remember they came over and, and I heard this guy, his, his son was like, talking to this dog, and, and, and then the dog, I think it got excited and, and went to the bathroom on his flip-flops. It was a whole ordeal, right? But what, what stands out to me most in that story is he was like, rebuke him. Rebu- I rebuke you. And I was like, what? We're, re- we're rebuking the wiener dog? Don't do that. That's crazy, right? But he was sternly denouncing him. I rebuke you. We're to be open to that as well, though. That's part of the submission to the transformative power of God's word, to be open to rebuke. Nobody likes that. Exhortation. This one's a little easier, I feel like. We're all open to encouragement, right? As Pastor Drew is telling us and reminding us all the time, like nobody's overly encouraged. So it's a good thing for us. But remember, if you get one of these things and not all the things... It's not going to be for your best. And so we're to submit to the transformative power of God's word with all of these things. And I say submit because you have to allow the word to do the work in your life. That's what he's saying. Some people, they're not open to this. They're unwilling to submit to this. So you know what they do? They leave. And they find somewhere where they are exhorted, but not reproved or rebuked. And he's saying, don't, don't, don't be about that, Timothy. Number four, last but certainly not least here. He gives the negative. Paul shares that. He says that there will be those that do not endure sound teaching, but for us, the positive or the challenge for us as a congregation is to endure sound teaching, to endure sound teaching. Again, much like submitting to the transformative power, it's gotta be something that you participate in. There's action here. That's why it's so good to show up and gather together like this every week, not just so we can encourage one another, not just so that we can see how everybody's lives are. Those are awesome, wonderful things. We want to have community as a body of believers, but, but primarily it's about resubmitting to God's word, all of us together, and it's about enduring sound teaching. 
I looked it up this week because I'm into definitions, and I looked it up, and at first I was like, that can't be, I hope this isn't what, what Paul's talking about. The first one was to suffer patiently. And my prayer for you is that you don't feel that way, right, as we open God's word together, that you're not suffering patiently. But the, the second definition there is to last or persevere, and that's what Paul's talking about, that you would endure sound teaching, that you would persevere under good and right and healthy doctrine under the truth of God's word, that you would resist the temptation to go find trends, that you would resist finding somebody who won't say hard things, that you would resist only listening to what you feel like hearing, that you would continue to endure and persevere and last under good and biblical teaching. Last thing I want to remind us of here this morning is that none of these things are possible apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no discernment and wisdom when I open and read the scriptures apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no submission to the transformative work and power of the word if we don't know Christ Jesus. And so for some of you here this morning, this is where we would start with you. Before, before we talk about these things, we need to talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that if you would repent of your sins and believe that you would have eternal life. And that's an awesome and wonderful message, especially when we find out that the alternative to that is eternal separation from God because of our sin. And so let Romans 6, 23 be an encouragement to you this morning as it reads, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, we would love to have a conversation with you here this morning about what it means to have a relationship with Christ Jesus. For some of you, that might be where you need to start. So here in a second, when we pray, when we open up an invitation, myself and Pastor Drew will be right down front. We would love to have that conversation with you and talk to you about what that looks like. Some of you, you need to follow Jesus Christ and believers' baptism. Your first step in obedience is going public with your faith in the baptismal waters. We would love to talk to you about that as well. For some of you, for some of you, it's, it's completing the membership process. You've gone through all the things and you want to say, we want to join this faith family. We would encourage you to respond that way too. Let's pray together today. Father, we love you. God, we love your word. God, we love the challenge that we find in it every single week. God, I pray that we would be people who would endure sound teaching. God, I pray that we would be people that would continue to submit our lives and ourselves and our desires and everything about us to the transformative work of your word. God, I pray that you'd use it to reprove us if necessary. God, that you would use it to rebuke us, to lead us to a place of correction if necessary. God, for the person in this room this morning who needs encouragement, I pray that it would exhort them. God, I pray more than anything that we would just remain faithful to heralding and proclaiming the truth of your word because God we know that it's profitable for everything that we need God that it will equip us for every good word and ultimately it will lead us to salvation in Christ Jesus so we ask that you would have your way here this morning God I pray that we would respond however you ask us to respond in boldness we pray this in Christ's name Amen.